Welcome to the Root and Remedy podcast, where we discuss all things women's health, hormones, fertility, and body confidence. I'm your host, Vanessa, a women's health nutritionist and the co-founder of Root and Remedy Wellness. You can find our membership as well as all other resources at rootandremedywellness.com. I am so beyond excited to be recording today's episode, and that's because relationship to food specifically my history with my relationship to food and just my whole journey into the health and wellness world all started from, to be totally frank, a horrible place. Like I was not doing good, my friend. I was not in a good place with my body image, with my relationship to food. Starting at like 12 or 13 years old was when I was introduced to forming this really horrible, toxic, honestly, just devastating relationship to food that carried with me basically until I was 20 years old, maybe even like my, like 21. I honestly don't remember the exact time, but it was honestly, it was, it was almost 10 years where I felt I was completely battling my body every single day. I hated what I saw in the mirror. I was always trying to change it. I was always talking horribly to myself, judging so many other people, always thinking what people were thinking about me, thinking if people were thinking about me a different way or they were judging me or what they were saying about me. And oh my God, I was just torturing myself to no end when it came to the way I was seeing myself and becoming so obsessed with everything related to food, literally everything. And I had no idea that my relationship to food was even a problem. And that's why I really want to make this episode and why I've been so excited to record it. And that's because anyone that is in this place where you're maybe starting to think, okay, have I been thinking about food a little too much? Or you blatantly know you have a horrible relationship to it. You're like, I am doing all of these toxic behaviors and I don't know what's up. Like, how's a girl supposed to change? What am I supposed to do? Or maybe you're just starting to focus on changing your body. Maybe, maybe you're on a health and wellness journey and you're trying to navigate the space of, okay, how much do I care about food so that I'm not, not caring about it because that's not good. But how do I not care about it so much that it's all I think about? You don't want to be on either end of that spectrum. You don't want to throw caution in the wind and not give a flying F about what you're putting in your body. But you also do not want to be in the total other side and be thinking about it every second of every day, always obsessed about how food is going to make you feel, if you should or shouldn't be eating it. You're just like on red alert 24-7. And usually when you start to eat something like sweets, like cookies or cake or something, you can't control yourself because you've been so restricted for so long. We don't want to live in either of those camps. We want to find a nice, happy, healthy medium where we are cultivating a healthy relationship with food. One that, yes, of course, takes into consideration the value of food and and we'll get into this. There's a lot of different values that food offers you. It's not just its flavor and the way it makes you feel and the way it tastes in the moment, but it's also the nourishment it provides you. It's the way you feel afterwards. It's the behaviors that you're setting in place that change the way you feel about yourself and your habits moving forward. Food is incredibly powerful because we cannot avoid it. It's not like having a difficult relationship with a substance or a thing that you can cut out of your life. You cannot cut food out of your life. So why the heck would we go another minute not cultivating a healthy relationship with it because you can't run away from it. And that is something that really destroys so many of us. Like, trust me, I know exactly how it feels to feel like all you would rather do is just never have to eat again so that you don't have to be so obsessive about it. And it's a horrible feeling. It honestly just is like a grenade to your confidence and is just so devastating when you're trying to change the way you're thinking and feeling and you're really not getting anywhere. So we don't want to be in these two polar opposite camps. We want to find this happy medium, but how do we do that? And today we're going to walk through five essential steps, things that I have learned in my own health and wellness journey, in my own journey with relationship to food that I want to pass on to you, that I want to teach you because it is really important, especially with topics like this, that the person giving the information or the person sharing their stories, talking to you one-on-one -on -one, is someone that can relate to what you're feeling. So no matter where you are on that spectrum of relationship to food, whether, like I said, you're just dipping your toes in and you're like, oh, I might have some unhealthy behaviors. What do I do? Or you are full blown like, oh, girl, this is me. Like I am covered in red flags. 
this is a good episode for you because I know how you feel. I completely understand what it feels like to have a horrible relationship to food and honestly to not even realize you have a horrible relationship to food. So if you're someone who maybe doesn't even know that this is an issue, hopefully this episode will help you see, okay, these are some habits and behaviors I'm doing that are actually torturing my body or that are having negative impacts that I don't even realize. And that's kind of the insidious nature of your relationship to food. If you're like me, you can convince yourself that you don't have a problem. And it got to the point where because I was healthy, like 70% of the time, I was vegan, I was trying to eat good foods, I was working out. Oh, I could justify that I was binging in private and making myself throw up because I was terrified of gaining weight. When you say it like that, it doesn't sound very healthy, but in my mind, it was something that I didn't come to terms with until genuinely years later. I think it was six or even seven years until I realized, oh, this is bad. Like, I, I don't think I should be doing this. I think I need to figure out how to fix this. And if that's you, if you recognize these habits and behaviors, literally the number one step is just to be self-aware. It is so important that you're taking stock of your current relationship to food and you're actually thinking, okay, what am I doing right now? Because you have some relationship to food. You have a relationship to food. Now we're just going to start to look at it. Is it a good one? Is it a bad one? Is it kind of somewhere in the middle? Maybe need some work. Maybe you are like doing an amazing job and there's no progress to be made. That would be incredible. I wish everybody was there. But we want to kind of peel the curtains back, peel back some layers and actually take a look at it, see what's going on. So we're going to get into these five things that I want to share with you. We'll talk a little bit about my relationship to food, my journey, because I find that's that's helpful. At least I like learning from people who have been where I currently am because it helps me feel like I'm not alone. It also helps me feel like I can get to the place that they are because of course, we're all a work in progress. It's not like I never have a problem with food or I never have like thoughts about food or anything like that. Like literally nobody's perfect. But when I tell you I've done a complete 180 from being literally tortured and obsessed about food to now actually having what I would consider a really strong, a really happy, healthy relationship with it. And even when kind of things do creep in, I have tools and resources and enough experience to work my way around those issues. That is something that I really want to tell you right now because I want you to trust that I understand the way that you're feeling and that it is possible to move through this like very tangled web when it comes to food and start to create a healthier relationship with it. Because there were many years where I was like, this is my life. Like there is no way that I won't be thinking about this. There is no way that I won't be obsessing about sweets or feeling like I've got these laundry list of foods that I can and can't eat and always obsessing about what other people are thinking about me. There's no way that that will not be my reality forever. But there is a way. There is a way we have to move through and cultivate a healthy relationship to food. Honestly, for me, it was like over a decade of time. So I'm not saying you're gonna listen to this episode and in two days, you're gonna feel cured or like you have this amazing relationship to food. It's gonna take time. It's gonna take effort. It's gonna take reps, but it's better that you're starting to implement these behaviors now and getting at least your your thoughts out and you're starting to critically think about your relationship to food as opposed to going through majority of your life or maybe even your whole life suffering in silence and never actually thinking, okay, how could I actually make this better so that my quality of life is better? Because that's what we're all about is these things, these tips, these steps, all of these things should make your life better. If they don't make your life better, they are not worth it. You should not be sacrificing your sanity and your quality of life for these little tips. That's the big bone I have to pick with all of these like health and wellness hacks is sometimes they're freaking exhausting and you do not have enough hours in the day to do it all. So this is why we're going to do a really real and very honest approach to creating a healthy relationship to food. None of this stuff is crazy. None of it is going to be out of reach. It's all going to be very doable, very tangible. And trust me when I say every single woman I work with, we work on her relationship with food. I'm always asking about your relationship to food because every single woman, menstruator, human being on the planet somehow struggles even a tiny bit with their relationship to food because you can't not. Like literally with our society, all that we're inundated with, it is almost impossible to not feel a little messed up when it comes to what you're eating. So let's take a look. Let's dive into number one. And that is to audit your current behaviors and habits around food and what you're eating. So I want you to ask yourself, and this is a really beautiful place to start. 
What was my mother and father's relationship to food like? What was modeled to me as a kid? Because whether you like it or not, those relationships around you, when you see your mother and father and siblings, or maybe your friends, your neighbors, the people you hang out with at school, their relationship to themselves, their relationship to what they were eating, those things that they've been telling you, even if you don't specifically remember the exact things they were saying, or you can't recall that like exact memory, those things are sitting with you. And they have programmed the way you think about your food. So for example, I can't really remember anything when it comes to my mom and dad per se. I remember they were always actually very, very healthy when it came to our relationship to food. They tried to get me to eat vegetables, but my mom or dad never looked at me and said like, oh, you look fat. You should probably eat less or anything like that. It was never anything blatant. But I do remember that the kids I was hanging out with and the insecurities that I started to develop when I was really young influenced my relationship to food. I started to feel really left out. I started to feel ugly, undesirable. And though I had a lot of friends and I was a very happy child on the inside when it came to my relationship to my body, to myself, the way I looked at myself and the way I spoke to myself was very, very dangerous and toxic and honestly really sad. Like when I think about young Vanessa, like 12-year-old Vanessa, I I honestly want to cry because no child should be speaking to themselves that way. I honestly don't even know where I got it from, but it were they were just insecurities that started to, to creep their way in. Whether I was modeled exactly those relationships, no, but somehow they formed and I do remember them stemming from childhood. So think about it because sometimes your parents bless their souls. They're probably not doing it on purpose, but if your mom had a really bad relationship with her body or a really, really horrible relationship with food, that probably rubbed off on you in some way. So you want to give yourself a little bit of patience, a little bit of grace. You may have adopted these mindsets, these behaviors, these narratives that literally weren't even yours. They were fed to you by people in your immediate environment, maybe people you were learning from, people you looked up to. And that is sometimes a very deep rooted reason why we're struggling with our relationship to food. And if you are a mother, I don't want you to think, oh my God, have I ruined my child's life? What have I done? I remember that I had a bad relationship to food when I was raising my kids or what can I do to get around this? It's okay. We'll take a deep breath together. The best thing that you can do is now start modeling a healthy relationship to your body, healthy relationship to food. We always want to say, we'll lead by example. They're going to see you as their mother modeling that healthy behavior. They're going to see you working on yourself, cultivating that deeper and healthier relationship. And they are going to be very inspired. They're going to want a piece of that pie. They're going to want you to teach them. So no matter how old your kids are, I promise you, you do not ruin their lives. You do not mess them up forever, but we do want to take a good hard look. Okay. What is the, what are the behaviors I'm modeling for my children? What have I modeled for my children in the past and how can I maybe help them create a healthier relationship with food no matter what age they are? So looking at your parents and immediate environment, those people that you were learning from looking up to their relationship to their bodies. Do you recall specific memories? Do you remember people around you being obsessed with what they were looking like or not eating certain things? things, saying certain remarks, just talking about food in a certain way or talking about their bodies in a certain way, that is going to rub off on you whether you realize it or not. So we want to kind of take stock of what those memories are. And if you can think, oh yeah, like my sister or my mom or my grandmother or my neighbor had a really horrible relationship to food. Oh my God, I kind of forgot about that. But yeah, that definitely was something I was around a ton when I was a child. So when we look at what was modeled to us, the reason why I'm saying that may be influencing your behaviors now is because when you're young, you don't understand. You couldn't say, oh, she looks like she's got a bad relationship to food. We got to make sure I don't talk to my body and myself like that. Like you won't say that. You, You would have no idea. And that's okay. Little you has no idea what's going on. She doesn't or he doesn't know how to decipher a healthy from an unhealthy relationship. And you may take on those insecurities and look at someone. So say you had a neighbor who you were around a lot. Maybe they babysat you or they helped raise you or they were just in your presence a lot when you were a kid. And when we're talking about like a kid, we're saying like toddler age all the way up until even like 10, 11, 12. Like that's a long span where you're really learning. And then also especially when we get into middle school, high school, it's not that it's necessarily what was modeled to you, but as people going through middle school, high school, like those teenage years, they're hard enough. 
And then we throw a relationship to food, body image, boys, girls, like trying to be attractive to people, trying to navigate your body, puberty, like all of these things on top of that already difficult and developing relationship. You're trying to figure out who you are. So right now we're looking at basically ages like zero to 10. Let's say that for example. And then we'll talk a little bit about like the teenage years in a minute. But when we're looking at that, those are going to be your most impressionable times when you may not have the specific memories. But for example, if like I was saying your neighbor, say you look at your neighbor, I'm going to use a female for example, and say, you as a young girl, you look at her and you say, wow, she's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. I hope when I grow up, I'm that beautiful. She's just so gorgeous. You look up to her in so many ways, not just physically, but you just think she's amazing. You love her. And you see her looking in the mirror and talking about how fat she is, how ugly she is, how she needs to go on a diet. She needs to lose weight. She should stop eating this or that. She's just making remarks. She's not making remarks about you, but she's making remarks about herself. And you looking at that woman saying, she is gorgeous. She is beautiful. I hope to be that one day. And then hearing her talk about herself and her body that way undoubtedly makes you think, oh, is there something wrong with me then? If I think she's so beautiful and she doesn't see she's beautiful, oh my God, what could she possibly be seeing in me? Or what am I now seeing in me? Because I don't look like that or I don't think I'm that beautiful. Oh no, maybe I need to go on a diet. Maybe I need to lose weight. Or maybe you're too young to think about that right away. But as you start to grow up and you start to notice, you know, we got a little bit of a pouch or you got a little bit of love handles or your arms are feeling a little bit bigger whatever it is that you're starting to feel uncomfortable about or maybe a little bit insecure, there's going to be that secret narrative in there saying, you need to go on a diet, you look ugly, you look fat, or you need to do X, Y, Z. And we have to be really careful with where we were picking up these narratives from. So really fun journaling exercise, pull out a piece of paper or a journal that you love and just try to jot down everything you can remember from your immediate environment when it comes to your body image and relationship to food from when you were growing up. All the good stuff and maybe the not so good stuff. So don't necessarily just say, okay, these are all the toxic bad things I've heard. Also say, oh, my mom actually modeled a really healthy relationship here. I never heard her talk about her body here or I actually heard her compliment her body or, ooh, my sister really modeled a healthy relationship to food with or, um, when I look at her and in my perspective, that's something that I really admire, whatever. You can talk about good and not so good parts or things that you've been modeled when you were younger. So that's number one, audit your current behaviors and habits. Ask yourself, what was my mother and father's relationship to food? What was I modeled to, or what was modeled to me as a child? And this is where we're looking at, okay, now that we've gotten that journal exercise, you see mom and dad's relationship, sisters, neighbors, whatever. You can now think, okay, do I feel like right now I'm modeling any of those behaviors? Do I feel like I am talking to myself the way that I used to see my mom talk to herself? Do I feel like I am becoming obsessive about not eating something because I heard someone else say that they shouldn't eat that or else they were going to get fat or whatever it is? Start to think, do you feel like you have picked up any of these thought patterns, behaviors, mindsets, whatever it is? Sometimes they will be direct correlations. Like, it's spooky. Sometimes you will recall a very specific memory. Like for example, I worked with a client who recalled a like to a T memory memory. She was like, I've thought about this so much as I've gotten older because it is like a, a, a very core, very hurtful memory that I have was when it, for this particular case, her mother directly told her when she was a kid that she was fat and needed to lose weight and that she was saying it out of love, but this was the most important thing right now that she's going to stop feeding her certain types of cereals and whatever. And she was like, I'm giving you this over that because you need to lose weight. It's okay. I'm doing it because I love you. Like no shame in all this, whatever. But what that person took away was, oh my God, I always need to be skinnier. Like I know for a fact, I'm always trying to be thinner, 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 and I can never be thin enough. And that was a core memory for them that they remembered and that is still impacting their life today. So try to think about it. Is there any direct correlations? Is there anything where you're like, oh yeah, tit for tat. Like I see that 1 million percent or are they a little bit more gray? Or maybe sometimes they do not line up at all and that's okay. Like in my case, for example, I can't remember a specific memory of anybody around me talking about food or their bodies or anything like that. Very thankful for that. And yet I still developed a horrible relationship with food. So clearly there were other influences or there are things that I don't even remember that were influencing my relationship to food. Or maybe it has to do with the fact that 
this is when like magazines and stuff like that came out and I was comparing myself to like Britney Spears and whatever, all these other amazing, beautiful, teeny, tiny girls. And as a growing woman, I had no idea what was going on. My body didn't look like that. So clearly if she's beautiful, she's on the magazines and I don't look like that. There's something wrong with me. There can be so many different reasons why we develop this unhealthy relationship, but your job is just to take stock of your current behaviors and habits. See if they match up with anything that was modeled to you as a kid. Just try to get to the bottom of that a little bit. All right, number two is to assess your current goals and what you're wanting right now. What is most important to you? And that's because if you are someone who is actively trying to change your body, your relationship to your to food is absolutely paramount. Like, oh my God, please, if you take one thing home from this episode, it's that if you have physical goals that you are trying to reach and you are focused on, you have to make sure you're cultivating a healthy relationship to food. And if you don't, either you are going to reach those goals and you are going to suffer in silence and you are going to be tortured mentally and emotionally and not actually be able to appreciate your physical goals, or you will never reach the place you want to be and you will always be going for the next thing trying to be even more restrictive you need to have more willpower you need to restrict more 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 less 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 I need to be thinner I need to eat less I need to do more cardio I need to do all these things it will never be enough and I'm telling you this because that is the exact place that I ran in that circle that oh my god I was just on a goddamn wheel like over and over and over again I would binge I would then feel horrible about myself, be terrified of gaining weight. Then I would set all these unrealistic restriction standards saying, I'm going to intermittent fast until 1 p.m. I'm going to go to the gym every single day. I'm going to get 10,000 steps every single day. I'm not going to eat any meat. I'm not going to eat any dairy. I'm not going to eat any eggs. I'm basically just going to eat vegetables. And then inevitably, I can only keep that up for so long. I binge on something and then I get angry at myself. In my case, I make myself throw up because I'm scared of gaining weight. And then I start the restriction cycle all over again. When I tell you that is not a place you want to be, I think it's pretty obvious. Like you probably hear that and you're like, that sounds horrible. Like, no, I'm not trying to sign up for that. Like I'm not trying to treat my body that way. But there are little ways where you can be in that cycle. It might not be as as extreme as mine was where I'm literally like binging and then forcing myself to throw up. Maybe it's not that extreme, but in certain ways, you're feeling a little bit obsessive about food or you are getting a little bit too restrictive and you're saying, I can't have that until this. Or once I lose five pounds, then I can eat a cookie or whatever it is. And this is just kind of where we want to highlight, okay, if you are working on some physical changes, your relationship to food is so important because you want to be able to appreciate that progress, but also it helps you move forward in a healthier and more sustainable way. Because if you are changing your body, that's fine. If you are actually from a very like honest soul level saying, I would be more comfortable if I was a little leaner. If I had less body fat on my frame, if I was a bit more muscular, I want to change X, Y, Z. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, can we please just say, if it's actually from a good place and you're not saying I need to be skinnier because I need to be a triple extra small because I need to look like Bella Hadid or whatever, if it's actually a level that brings you genuine happiness and you're like, I would be more confident, happier in my own skin, feel more sexy, put myself out there more, whatever, if my body was changed, okay, that's all right. The problem is when you're beating yourself up and you're restricting your body and torturing your body to get there. That is the issue. And this is such a big problem because that's what most of us are taught to do is work out more, eat less, intermittent fast, cut out all these different food groups and basically do things like freaking lettuce water. Like I saw that on TikTok the other day and I was like, oh my God, like guys, what are we doing? Like we cannot be doing this. So just be thinking to yourself, what are my current goals? Do I have physical goals that I'm working on? Am I, isn't the most important thing right now, my career? And am I very money driven or very career driven in my life right now? Am I focusing most on love in my relationships right now or focusing most on friendships? There are going to be some specific goals. Maybe you've got a lot in different areas, but think about what is most important to you because your relationship to food, depending on your current goals is going to change. If you're having two conflicting goals, like maybe you want to cultivate friendships even more, but a lot of the friends you're hanging out with, they go drinking a lot. They go out to eat a lot. That may contradict 
with the goals that you have of changing your body. And that's okay. But now you have to start to think about, okay, how can I reach a happy medium between those two things? Because it's important for me to get a lot of social time, to make more friends, to be doing this and to be going out. And I love getting a drink socially. I love eating at different restaurants. Like that makes me happy. But what what would also make me happy is working on my fitness a little bit, maybe losing a little bit of, of any extra weight, getting a little bit stronger, feeling a little bit more confident in my body. We have to understand what all of our current goals are. We need to take a look at which ones help each other and sometimes which ones are a little bit more at odds. And that's not to say you can't do both at the same time. Of course you can, but it's just the reality of the situation. Sometimes we have conflicting goals and that's okay. That's just like if you're super career and finance or finance driven, but you also are trying to make the most of your summer. Okay, yeah, there's one that says you should work longer hours, put in a lot more effort, like kind of lean into your work and your money a little bit more and that potential, but then you want to take Fridays off and you want to work less and be outside more and take a bunch of breaks in the middle of your day. At some point, those are going to conflict and you're going to have to either find a balance between the two or weigh one more heavily than the other. So when we're looking at goals, I want you to ask yourself, number one, what are my current goals in a bunch of different areas? I want you to look at career or money and finance. You got to look at your relationships, both romantic and then friendships and family and things like that. We got to look at body goals as well. And you can loop in exercise, strength goals, things like that in there as well. Maybe you've got some goals when it comes to skin or you want to grow your hair or you want to focus on fertility. You want to also look at other health goals you have. So not just the career and relationship area and body, but also just anything else related to your health in general. Maybe your mental health is really important. So yeah, cultivating a healthy relationship to food is really going to help with supporting your mental health and not getting into a deep depression every time you feel like you're out of control around food. So thinking about what are my current goals? What am I wanting right now? Make a list, literally put at the top of your page. I love this prompt from James Clear. He talks about it all the time. He wrote an amazing book called Atomic Habits. Fabulous book. Couldn't recommend it enough. He, this always stuck with me. I heard this on one of his podcasts and he was like, Every single morning at the top of my page, I write, what do I want? And then I just let myself write. And he's like, it's crazy when you ask the right question, what answers come? Because you might write down a zillion things that you want. You might write down one thing that you want and realize you're writing down the same thing every single day. And that is literally the number one thing on your mind at all times. He just went into detail talking about how powerful it is to ask yourself, what am I even shooting for right now? Like, what do I want? And how can I get more clear on that? So ask yourself, your current goals, what are you really wanting right now? Like, what are some tangible things you're actually going after? And what's most important to you? Is it your body? Is it friends? Is it family? Is it money? Is it fertility? Like, what is most important to you right now? Or is there a lot of different things? And especially when it comes to your relationship to food, we want to ask, how can having a healthier, easier, relationship to food benefit me and literally asking that question whether you're on a walk you can just like kind of list it out to yourself right now or pull out your journal and actually write it down but think what would be beneficial to me or what things would I get and how would my life be better if I had a healthier relationship to food for example I wrote in my journal I literally I'm going to try to find it actually because it's honestly really interesting I remember on a massive page I wrote what would I be doing with my time if I wasn't thinking about food? Oh, like the fact that I even had to ask myself that really tells you that like I was thinking about food all the time. And I remember being like, I would have more time with my friends. I'd probably be more present when I was hanging out with them. I would feel more confident. I would give more compliments. I would be able to have a healthier relationship with exercise if I wasn't thinking about food. I'd be able to appreciate my body, like all of these amazing things. And it's really helpful for you to see the benefit and what having this healthy relationship to food can actually give you so that it gives you some more incentive to actually work on it. Because sometimes change is hard. Sometimes we don't want to be changing things that we've done forever. And we'd rather just be complacent in a little bit of pain than push ourselves outside of our comfort zone to actually get some change, even if it is for the better. And that's something that we want to be careful of because if you are not changing and if you are not working on this relationship to food, it can slowly but surely really get like go downhill very, very quickly. And it can kind of take over things that you didn't really realize it would take over. So we've got number one, 
audit your current behaviors and habits. Ask yourself what was modeled to me when it comes to my relationship around food. What did I see other people do? Number two, what are my current goals? What am I wanting right now? What is most important to me? Assess and take stock of what is at the top of your list at this moment in time. Number three, and oh my God, this is my favorite. This is my favorite because it's so simple and I just don't understand why no one taught us. Cover the basics and foundations because you cannot ask your body and brain and self to have a good relationship to food if you are starving yourself. Like you actually can't. I don't care how strong your willpower is. If you are not having breakfast, lunch, dinner, eating enough protein, not restricting snacks and treats and actually letting yourself eat those things. If you are not eating enough food, nourishing your body, you are biologically, like psychologically wired to binge, to overeat, to, to seek out these different eating patterns that make you feel freaking crazy. And this is like this one, the, number three, number three is what changed my life. Like, yes, assess, whatever, take a look at your current goals, but holy hell, make sure that you are not setting yourself up for failure. As soon as you wake up in the morning, I was doing that. Oh my God. When I look back at that, I'm like, no wonder Vanessa, like no wonder as soon as you had a few drinks, you would binge on drunk food or every weekend would roll around and you just like, you could not say no to all those treats and you would overeat them to the point of literal exhaustion until you felt like physically sick because your body was saying, feed me like, oh my God, you are completely draining me of my resources. You are restricting me to no end. Please, for the love of God, woman, feed me. And if you don't feed me, I'm going to make you feed me. And I'm going to eat a lot at once because I don't know when you're feeding me again, when you're actually giving me enough freaking calories to operate this beautiful body that I'm giving to you. So God, I know, I'm sorry. I'm kind of like flying off the handle, but Christ almighty, like this is the most important one for me because a lot of the time, you aren't even an emotional eater. You aren't even someone who has a bad relationship to food. You literally just are setting yourself up to have a bad relationship to food. And once we fix those things, we actually give you enough food. We give you enough protein. We sprinkle in some treats and snacks because it's really no big deal. You're like, wait, what? Oh my God, I'm not obsessing about food. I'm not binging at night or in the evenings. I'm not like waking up starving and now thinking about, okay, I'm just going to drink my coffee and I'll make sure I save my calories for later. Like you're not doing any of that shit because you're actually giving your body what it needs. You're less anxious. You're less irritable. You are like less on red alert because your body's getting what it needs. And you're able to create a healthier relationship to that food and to your nutrition and eating habits because you're finally giving your body what it actually requires. If you're ready to take your next step on your health and wellness journey, I want to invite you to our Root and Remedy membership. This is our women's health and fertility membership, completely geared towards giving you the resources and exact roadmap you need for PMS-free, painless periods and cycles. And trust me when I say these are the exact protocols I give my one-on-one -on -one clients that I've worked with for multiple years. These are the steps that work. They are tried and true. They're simple, easy, and straightforward. And we've created it all in one monthly affordable membership. So if you're curious about learning more about the membership, you can find it at rootandremedywellness.com slash membership and use the code podcast for 20% off your first month. So what are the basics and foundations? Three things. Actually, we're going to say four things. Number one, eat a full protein rich breakfast. If you are noticing even a slight twinge with your relationship to food that it's kind of hanging off the edge a little bit please for the love of god and that intermittent fasting we do not want to skip breakfast drink coffee and only eat at like noon trust me i would wake up not do anything i literally it's so funny i have youtube videos on youtube because i did youtube for a hot minute and i literally like when you look at one of these videos i'm like good morning guys just like figured i'd take you through like my top nutrition tips number one is i'm staying fasted because i find it works better for me and and then you see me like do shit throughout the day and then i get a coffee with my friend and then i work out and then i come home and i eat and i'm like vanessa like, why were you restricting food until 1 p.m. after doing like an hour and a half workout? Like, genuinely, girl, what were you thinking? Like, who gave you this information? Who told you this was good for you? And 
in the time, like in the, that moment, I was like, I'm being so healthy. Like I was making these videos cause I thought it was like the freaking health queen and I was having so much fun. And during the day I felt great because stress hormones feel great. But as time went on, I started to feel like absolute trash. And that was my problem is I didn't realize that one could be like one that these habits that hypothetically made me feel so good in the morning actually made me feel like trash later. Like I didn't understand that it could have that kind of impact. So number one, eat a full protein rich breakfast. We're talking three eggs or two eggs and some sausage or a protein rich smoothie. Or if you don't have a big appetite, a Greek yogurt bowl with some fruit, like please for the love of God, get some food in you within that one first one to two hours of waking. Do not drink coffee first drink or eat food first that's going to calm your nervous system going to help you not have that 2 p.m slump or that like 3 4 p.m need for like sweet snacks or especially that like evening or weekend binge this is all going to be really helpful because now you're you're signaling to your body there's an abundance of food we're good girl i feed you so please like digest this food and know that more is coming. We have to teach your body when to expect food, that it it is nourished, it's safe, that food is on its way, that we have an abundance of food so it doesn't need to stress and it doesn't need to urge you to binge or have this difficult relationship with food. So number one, eat breakfast within the first one to two hours of waking. Number two, make sure that you are having a full lunch and full dinner. So many women that I work with, also don't worry guys, myself included previously, are going to skip lunch. Sometimes you'll eat breakfast and dinner, or for most people, dinner is a pretty constant meal for the most part. But a lot of people, women especially, skip lunch. And by skip lunch, I don't mean like you don't eat anything all day, but you're grazing on like chips and crackers and cheese and some fruit here and there. Like you're not having a full meal that has 30 grams of protein. Like you're not doing chicken with veggies and sweet potato and salad. Like you're not doing a full spread of a meal. And if that's you, I promise you, you will feel better. Not only will like your cycles and hormones and like periods love you for doing this, but your overall energy level and the uh, the amount that you think about food and like your relationship to it in general will improve so much when you're eating a full lunch and eating a full dinner. So rule of thumb, eat breakfast within the first one to two hours of waking and then have a full meal every roughly four to six hours after that. That's it. So if you can say, all right, I'm gonna eat my breakfast at eight. I'm gonna eat my lunch around 12 or one. I'm gonna eat my dinner around five or six, or if you need to move it out, then maybe you have an afternoon snack to tide you over so you're not feeling like a menace when you get home. Because Lord knows, when you get extra hungry and you get home from work from a long ass day and you are cranky, you're hungry, you're irritable, you are just a menace in your kitchen cupboards. You're like, I am eating everything. I cannot wait for dinner to be cooked. I am just going to start getting to anything I can get my hands on. We want to avoid that. That usually means you've gone too long or you haven't eaten enough that day. So that is your body saying, listen, we need food. You're not feeding me enough. So take that as a signal, as a blaring sign that you need to eat more food. That's it. That's it. Your body's hungry because you need more food. What an idea, right? Like, what a mind-blowing concept. Honestly, that never clicked for me before until I was I was taught that. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. I guess I am hungry because my body needs more food. Like, what are the odds? So number one, breakfast in the first hour of waking. Number two, eat a full lunch and a full dinner. Number three, eat enough protein. Enough protein looks like at least 100 grams per day. Typically, we like to shoot for about like 0.8 to 1 gram of protein per pound of body weight. So for example, I'm 140 pounds. I usually try to eat at least 120 grams of protein per day. That's roughly good enough for me. But for most people, I say at least try to get 100. If you are eating 50 or 60 grams of protein per day, and the way that you figure this out is you can use, for example, tracking as a tool. If that makes you feel stressed out or you don't want to do that, that's okay. You can just start to take a look at, okay, how much protein am I having? Am I having yogurt for breakfast? Am I having cereal for breakfast? Let me take a look at how much protein's in this. Like, don't try to use it as a like a gold star, or a slap on the wrist. Just use it as data because what's what what gets measured gets managed, right? Like, you can't change something if you don't know what you're changing. So, 
when we look at this protein breakdown, we usually want to get about 30 grams of protein per meal. That would bring you to about 90 grams in the day. And then usually you're going to get a snack in there somewhere, which would usually bump you up over that 100 gram mark. That is a great place to shoot for, or at the very least 20 grams of protein per meal. Start there. And I promise you, not only is your relationship to food better, but you're also going to feel so much better throughout the day. You're going to be less hangry in between meals. Your periods are going to be better. Your hair is going to be longer. Like so many systems and things rely on protein. So we want to make sure that we are giving you enough protein. And then the last thing that I want to talk about under the basics and foundations is stop making such a big deal around treats and snacks. Oh my gosh, we make it so much of a bigger deal than it needs to be. It's like, oh, I'm having a cookie. So, all right, I'm going to figure out where I'm going to put it to make sure it balances my blood sugar and I make sure that I'm not eating too much, but also not eating too little or whatever. Honestly, if you want some dessert, have some dessert. Like, it's okay. The problem is when we treat it like such a big deal, that's when our brains are like, oh, okay, interesting. You don't usually give me cookies. There are 12 cookies in front of me. Maybe I should eat six because I don't usually get these ever. And now that I've had one, I've kind of ruined it for myself anyways. So we have that WTF mentality where we just fly off the deep end. And then we think, okay, I'm just eating all these so that I'm not tempted with them later. Oh my God, hand up if you've ever said that to yourself. Literally, I'm like, I'm just gonna finish these so that I'm not tempted with them tomorrow. That is a red flag for a relationship to food. You should be able to have a cookie or have a little bit of sweets and move on. And I find the biggest issue there is that there is so much weight we put on eating treats and snacks and having these like so-called unhealthy foods that we make them a problem. So what if it wasn't a big deal? What if you can enjoy dessert if you want dessert and you're thinking about, okay, what is this doing for me? Do I, am I craving dessert because I'm sad today or am I craving dessert because my mom made something amazing and I want to have some of it or am I just craving dessert because it's a habit? I don't really need it right now. Let me try to take a walk or do something else. And then if I'm still craving it or if I still do genuinely like wholeheartedly want it, I'll have it. We want to start asking these questions. Number one, why are you restricting treats? Again, what are, what's the narrative around that? Do you think it's bad to be eating sweets? Do you think sugar is the devil that's going to come in and ruin your life? Do you think snacks are bad? Do you think McDonald's is bad or whatever, all these things? Yes, of course. There are foods that have better nutritional value, foods that are better for you. I don't think anyone is arguing that broccoli and a Big Mac are the same in nutritional value. Like I think everyone's pretty clear on that. But where we run into problems is it's not actually the food itself. I would honestly rather be in a place where I could eat McDonald's once a month and not really care about it. I mean, I don't really like McDonald's, so maybe I should try something different. I could eat chocolate cake, I don't know, once every other week and not make a big deal out of it, enjoy it when I enjoy it, not eat it when I don't want to eat it, as opposed to restricting myself for six months and then eating a whole chocolate cake one night because I'm so obsessed with it and I've been avoiding it and I've been actively restricting myself from it. When we have that like on and off the wagon or that all in or all out mentality, it makes it really hard for you and your brain and your body to comprehend what's going on. And this is where actually sometimes the healthiest thing, and I'll do this with clients actually all the time, when I sense and we talk about this relationship to food and they say, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm going to cut it all out. I'm really focused on this. I really want to get thin or I really want to get strong or I really want to do X, Y, Z. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why do we have to cut out every single like treat? Why? And it's like, oh, I don't trust myself. Or if I start, I won't stop or whatever the, the problem is. And in that in that actual scenario, one of the best things that this person can do is actually introduce it in a small way and in a small amount and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to actually have dessert and treat it like it's no big deal and just go on with my life, wake up the next morning and eat my breakfast and do my thing and whatever, because it's not. And what if we were to treat it like it's not a big deal? How would that maybe make your life a bit better? How would that make your relationship to food better? How would that make your life easier? Would you be stressing about it less? Would you be able to enjoy it more? And would you actually have it less? Because now there's no like sexy allure to the treat or to the dessert because you can have it whenever you want. When we restrict, we naturally want something more, right? You naturally rebel. So when we're actively saying, no, 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 don't, 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 it's all you think about. And especially when it's in the house, you're white knuckling for so long until you can't. So what we'll often find is when we're creating these healthier relationships and I'm saying, have dessert three times this week 
and try to just move on with your day and try to wake up the next morning and start like you normally do, like literally treat it as if it's like no big deal, like nothing happened. And that person will often be like, oh, I actually like I'm craving it less because it's not something that I'm actively restricting against. So I'm really not thinking about it that much. And then once I know I can have it because you're an adult, you make your own decisions. I sometimes want it less because I'm like, oh, I can have this anytime. Like, meh, I don't really want it tonight or eh, I'm like still kind of full. So I don't really need it. Whatever. It's just so much more chill. So when it comes to covering the basics, we've got the breakfast, eating lunch and dinner eating enough protein and not restricting treats and snacks. Let yourself cultivate a healthy relationship with those things. They're not bad. It'd be impossible for you to avoid sugar for the rest of your life. Like don't even try unless you are trying actively to do some crazy physical feat or you're trying to go pro in bodybuilding or something. I don't know. If you're just a normal person, have treats, have snacks, move on with your life. Okay. Our second last tip is to use journaling as a tool. And please, if you are someone actively working on your relationship with food, talk to a therapist. So like I talked about earlier in this episode, we want to audit current behaviors. We want to assess our current goals. I gave you a lot of questions to be asking yourself and things to be thinking about. This is where it's really beautiful to have a guide. I like a therapist or a counselor or someone who you can say, okay, listen, like I am worried about my relationship to food or these are the things I've been thinking about what do I do? Or can I just get this off my chest? Can I just vent? A lot of the time we feel very shameful around our relationship to food. And that is the problem. We're not talking about it. We're not sharing it. That was my biggest problem. I didn't tell a freaking soul until I like broke down and called my mom. And I was like, Oh, I've had this horrible relationship for food with food for the last eight years. I'm telling you now because I'm really trying to change it. And I just cried and cried and cried. And that's not what you want. You want to make sure that while you're working on something, you're able to talk about it because or else you are going to feel very shameful and it's going to harbor a lot of weight and you're going to start to get kind of twisted around it if you don't feel like you can talk to anyone about it because you're going to be communicating to yourself, this is bad, you're bad, this is a secret, this is shameful, this is something that you shouldn't share and that's just festering that difficult and and harmful relationship with food that we're trying to avoid. So use journaling as a tool if you can't talk to a therapist or a counselor but try to do both. Like journaling, I would journal all the time. If I was working on my relationship to food and say I was trying to binge less, for example, I wouldn't say, oh my God, you piece of crap. Like, how dare you? You're horrible. Oh my God, you're never going to make any progress if I binged. I would take my journal and say, okay, I binged. I forgive myself. I'm okay. I know I'm going to be working on this. I know it's a journey. Here's what triggered me. And maybe it was that I felt insecure in my body. Maybe it was that I saw someone I was jealous of. of. Maybe it was that I my jeans didn't fit or something, whatever. There was a trigger in there somewhere. I wrote it down and I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do next time. Or here's what I'm going to do to help my body, to help my mental state along when I'm getting triggers like this. Journaling is such a powerful tool. It's like you're talking to someone, but you're not. And if you can get a good quality therapist or counselor, they are going to be worth so much in this journey. Okay. Number five, our last one on our five steps and little changes you want to make when you're cultivating a healthy relationship to food celebrate your small wins. Nobody is perfect. So a lot of the time when we're working on our relationship to food, for example, for myself, when I was working on binging and bulimia and and not having myself do that anymore, I would get really mad at myself if I even got an urge to binge because I would feel like I, I had made no progress. I'm like, why am I still having these thoughts? What the hell? I thought I was doing so well. But the trick is it's not the thought. It's the action that follows. It's the way that you behave after you have a thought. So you may look at your cookies and say, I should eat all of those. And that's the thought. And then previous, you may have been like, yeah, let's eat all of those so we don't have to be tempted by them. But now you're thinking, hmm, okay, had the thought. Let me pause. Do I really want to eat all of those? Do I need to eat all of those? What is the purpose of that? Or do I just want one? Or do I want none at all? And then the action that follows is what is going to reinforce to yourself and your brain and your body the type of person you want to be, the type of relationship you're building. And it's okay if you falter. It's okay if you make mistakes, if you slip up, if you feel like you move backwards a bit. You're just trying to build some self-awareness. You're trying to build your resources. You're trying to build your toolkit. And every time you do something that works. So for example, if I would get an urge to binge and I would say, no, we don't, we don't do that anymore. We don't treat our body like that anymore. No, like I'm, I'm not doing that. 
I maybe take a walk around the block. I call a friend. I watch a funny show, like something to get my mind off of it. And then maybe the next morning or a couple hours later, I will write, I'm so freaking proud of myself because previous me would have binged up a freaking storm and would have been devastated about it. And I just had that thought, but the way I behaved and responded to that thought was like a completely new woman. I'm so proud of myself. So make sure you're celebrating these small wins. It doesn't matter if you have these thoughts, intrusive thoughts or these little urges. Like we all have crazy thoughts. Like I bet you, you've been driving on the street and been like, wow, this is so crazy. What if I just drove into the other lane of traffic? I could die. That doesn't mean you're going to drive yourself into the other lane of traffic and kill yourself. Like that, it's just a thought that's kind of like, oh, crazy. And then you're, you're, you just keep going. Like we all have those things and it doesn't mean we have to act on them. And your relationship to food in your body is no different. Just because you have the thought doesn't mean that you're not making progress. doesn't mean you're broken. doesn't mean that you're sick or that you're never going to get where you want to be or you're never going to have a healthy relationship with food. The beauty of it is that those thoughts and those urges and those kind of things that you're thinking about get fewer and further between. I used to have thoughts of binging every single day, multiple times a day. Then maybe it was a couple times a week. Then it was a couple times a month. And then it got back to every day. Okay. And then it was a couple times every month. And then it was a few months. And then it was a year. And now it's multiple years where I haven't thought about it. And I do not get the urge to do it, do it anymore. That's a thing of my past. But it took literal years. It was, and, and every step of the way, if there was ever that thought, I would have to talk myself into making sure that I'm making the decision to show up for the woman that I want to be and to celebrate myself even in the smallest wins. So make sure that every step you're saying, I'm proud of you. You're saying good job. Like you are actively working on yourself. You need to celebrate that. You need to honor that or else you're going to feel like garbage because there's no way you can go years on end working on something that you're never getting any support or validation or feeling good about. Like you just won't, you're going to quit. You're going to go back to the way things were before. And that's not what you want to do. That's not where you want to be. So we've got our five things, audit your current behaviors and habits and ask yourself what was modeled to me when I was younger. Number two, assess your current goals. What are you wanting right now? What's most important to you? Number three, cover the foundations and the basics so that you're setting yourself up for a healthy relationship with food, not shooting yourself in the foot. That's your breakfast, lunch and dinner, eating enough protein and not restricting treats or snacks. Number four, we're using a journal as a tool and you're talking to a therapist or a counselor if you are able to. And number five, you're celebrating your small wins because no one is perfect perfect. We're all on some kind of health and wellness journey at any given time. We're all trying to navigate this space. And one beautiful way to start with that or to continue on this journey is with your relationship to food. I promise you, you will never regret cultivating a healthy relationship to what you're eating. It will always, always, always make your life so much better. Thank you so much for listening to the Root and Remedy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, if you like our information and find this helpful, then it would mean the world to us if you would leave a five-star rating and review and follow or subscribe to us anywhere you listen to your podcast. It really helps to get the show out to more people. It shows us the most support and it also allows us to get even better guests so we can bring you the best content possible. And of course, if you want to dive more into our membership, you can use the code podcast for 20% off your first month. Okay. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening.